Hi, I'm Mel. And I'm Safs. And we're going to take you away from the play. We had Alex Abesetta. She is a sports journalist based in London, England. She is a freelancer and FAWSL correspondent at Equalizer Soccer. Yes, her journalism career is young, but she's already been published in a number of outlets. She's the women's football deputy editor at Babel and host of her own podcast called Box to Box WSL. We talked about football in England, her passion for soccer, and her playing days. It was all around good chats. This was a great chat, and, you know, we recorded this back in November, so that's that. Enjoy this episode. Alex, thank you so much for joining us all the way from England. This is this is really great. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. So we know that you've been freelancing and working hard in England covering the FAWSL. So how long have you been, you know, in England? You know, how long have you been freelancing and, and covering the league? Um, so I've been in England uh, just a little over a year now. Okay. I uh, got here last August uh, to do my master's in sports journalism at St. Mary's University. And I kind of just hit the ground running really when I came here you know I came here with the purpose of, of kind of following women's football here or women's soccer I guess as you would call it um I I kind of just started right away I knew that's what I came here for it was pretty much the sole reason um, of me coming to England you know the football here is it's absolutely amazing and mm-hmm. especially in London uh you know I had Chelsea Arsenal Tottenham I had West Ham you know just at my front door really um, last uh, last year, uh, living around university, the the Chelsea Stadium was a ten minute walk from my flat. So oh, you know wow. it, it was grand. Um, but now I kind of I just finished my masters up, and I've kind of gone into the adult world and and kind of have to start looking for jobs and whatnot. Um, so it's it's a bit more hands on now than it was during the semester. But I'm I'm obviously really enjoying it. Today is a women's football weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's four matches on today, back to back to back. Uh, no overlapping so you kind of just sit down on the couch and watch football <laughs> for the entire day nice. uh, which is nice so I've been I've been enjoying it to say the least yeah that's awesome I mean you kind of answered the question I was going to ask is whether you I guess it was twofold I was going to say did you go to England to attend school and then decided freelancing on the side since you were studying journalism or did you go for the football but it does sound like it was a little twofold which which makes sense um you know Obviously, it's Corona, but um, how has been your experience covering the FAWSL so far? It is kind of a young league. Is it? Are you enjoying it? Uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been grand. I mean, as you said, it's it's fairly. Not, it's I wouldn't say new, but it is. Uh, you know, women's football is still growing here, and it's not as grandiose as you would say the Premier League, for example. Um, so the access to the league itself is is really it's right there. I mean, I just got in, um, with my master's, we, we have an online, uh, kind of magazine that we write for and I would just apply for accreditation 
uh, for the Women's Super League and I would get it. And then as I started showing up to games, I kind of just built up my own network and everything. And I kind of made it easier for myself uh, to keep going and keep interviewing players. I mean, I've interviewed, um, you know, Kristen Press, Tilvin Heath already. Oh, wow. Uh, that's that's awesome. been, that's, there are a couple of my favorite players and I've already done that. Um, so the access here is absolutely amazing. You know, if you know, if you know that's what you want to do, uh, people recognize that and they know that, that you mean well and you're not just there to kind of just kind of boost yourself up for men's football, for example. You know, there, there's two types of people. And if, if you're on the right side, um, you do make things a lot easier for you to kind of fit in the WSL and the kind of women's football world quite well. That's really cool. I mean, you just so you just said like you're you're done with school. You're you're fresh out of your master's and I, I did a, a graduate diploma in journalism at Concordia okay. and then I like you know you hit the ground running and even during my the diploma I was like trying to freelance and like get your name yeah. out there so now you're you're doing that kind of full-time so you know what has that experience been like you know looking for work I mean you mentioned you know the WSL probably they want to have a lot of coverage right so it might there's an, an opening there but you know what is you know what does a day kind of look like for you as a freelancer um you know just trying to get the work done and and what your preparation looks like um so obviously things have have changed quite a bit with covid and mm. um, a lot of the for example press conferences are all done via zoom yeah um, so that's perhaps actually been one of the the few advantages that covid has brought in terms of journalism and, and football coverage um, so on a regular press conference, you know, you would attend in person, you would go to the stadium and you would sit there and, and listen to the coach speak. Whereas now, you know, I can attend press conferences in Manchester and I don't have to do the four hour drive up oh, yeah. to attend that press conference. And you have maybe two, three press conferences a day at times. Um, so, so that's definitely changed. You know, I've, I've actually had a lot more opportunities to, to speak to different people that I probably wouldn't have on a normal basis. You know, um, I, I currently work for Vavil. Um, so we have a lot of people up in Manchester. We would have sent them instead of me. So I, I would, you know, I, I wouldn't have, have gotten the opportunity to speak to Kristen and Tobin, for example. Um, but in terms of, you know, a normal day depends if you go to the map uh, in person or not, yeah. which I haven't had the opportunity to do as much, uh, mostly because I'm my car at the moment. I'm not using it, so it's a bit more <laughs> difficult to get to matches. Um, taking the train isn't always the most convenient way. A half an hour drive will take you hours on the train, so it's um, the best, especially if, if the game kicks off at night, you know, you're back at 1 a.m. to uh, I've been doing a lot from home, uh, which is definitely different from the, the past year where I've actually been attending matches in person. You know, post-match, the players come off the pitch, the coach comes off the pitch, and you just do a huddle yeah. of like seven journalists. You all have a phone in, you're asking questions. You know, now that's, that's not possible. Even if you go to the stadium, uh, the post-match press conferences on Zoom. Um, so the actual match day experience has changed a lot, but, you know, we're one of the lucky ones that are still able to actually go watch live football. Mm -hmm. You know, fans still aren't able to go and kind of a privilege at this point. Uh, so things before COVID and post-COVID have, have definitely changed quite a bit. Seriously, but it sounds like you've, you've found a lot of positive in it, which is, is nice because I feel just the state of the world at this moment and the state of sports, in this pandemic uh, there's a lot of negative sides but do you I guess do you think this is going to be some positive changes that are going to be long term like having this kind of in the scrum taking turns via zoom to, to access the player do you think this is something that's going to continue in the future or do you think you guys are going to go back to just scrums fighting to get access yeah. and get a question <laughs> 
I'm, I'm not entirely sure. There was talk that there might be kind of upholding this, this post-conference Zoom call. Um, but I think this week, especially, it's been quite a busy week. You know, Women's Football Weekend is uh, it's a weekend where there's no men's football at all. Um, so there's a lot of focus on the women's game. Um, so this weekend in particular, you know, there, there was a lot of Zoom calls that we had to do during the week. And, you know, by Thursday and Friday, we're all kind of tired of, of Zoom calls and yeah. raising, <laughs> raising the hand button and, and all that, that stuff. <laughs> um, so I think half of us, we appreciate the convenience that it gives us and being able to, you know, like I mentioned, just do a lot more things that we weren't able to do physically in person. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of just the Zoom calls, I think we're all kind of uh, tired of it. Um, so I, I don't know what to think, whether I, I, I kind of miss the scrums and elbowing, yeah. you know, out of the way. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think the just the social interaction, yeah. is, it's different, right? And communicating with players that way, too. You, you can read body language a little bit more. Um, but kind of going back to your start, you know, you moved to, to England with, I guess, the idea of pursuing journalism specifically for women's soccer. And obviously, in North America, we don't have kind of that emphasis on football in general. Do you feel like there are more opportunities to cover women's soccer since it's a little bit more niche? Um, you know, you, it did seem like it was kind of simple for you to, to walk in and, and pursue this goal. Do you think it's because it's a women's sport and in general, you know, I play hockey, we're always kind of craving the media attention. Do you think it's a little bit easier or do you think it's just challenging because it's, it's small and we're trying to grow it? I think it depends. Um, I think with me, I was able to kind of, as you said, like walk in so easily, I think because I had the right intentions. And, okay. you know, if, if everyone in the women's football world here, like they know women's football, I, I'm actually one of the, the ones that least know it. I mean, you know, these, these journalists have been here, they've been covering it for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know less than they do. But if you come in with the intention, and if you come in with the right questions, if you go into these rooms and you ask it, you know, if you ask just a stupid question that kind of calls you out for not knowing women's football or watching it, yeah. you know, you kind of, it's really easy to pick up on that. So I think it's easy if you want to be there and if you have the right intentions and if you actually do your homework and, and you know what to do, um, which luckily for me, you know, I was, I love football, you know, I have uh, Hispanic roots and football is pretty much in my, in my blood. Um, so it was quite easy for me, I think, because I had the right intentions and, you know, I actually watch football and I support yeah. the woman as well. Um, so in that aspect, yes. Um, and I see what you're saying in, in terms of media attention, you know, you don't want as much media attention, but you want the right media attention. Yeah. yeah. Um, especially I did an interview with uh, Jana Hefford for, for okay. the WHPA. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did. I think that I was, I was at the beginning of lockdown. Um, no way. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> So I think, I think with her, it was kind of the same, you know, I had the right intention, you know, I wanted to tell the story of the fact that the Canadian women's league folded and now these, all these players are without a league. Yeah. The league isn't even close to comparison to the Canadian one. So I think if you have that right intention, you know, it's, it's quite easy for you to fit in and they recognize that and they appreciate it more than potentially the men do. Yeah. Cause I mean, we could pick up on the same questions like you just hopped on this story because the league just folded like in our instance like you, you the league folded and you had the same question that we've mainstream media has asked 17 times and I'm kind of like where were you like six months ago like when we yeah. needed some sort of so I see what you're saying though like it you know like if you have the passion um you could pursue this um in the women's league and 
I guess this kind of implies that you have no intentions. Do you have any intentions of covering like women or men's sports or you're just like all the way women's football? Uh, no, I do love the men. So I actually somehow I managed to get Premier League accreditation, which I haven't. Oh, yet. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> but it's just like, you know, that's just that's just again as a football fan. Yeah. Uh, you know, as a football fan, covering the men's league is obviously just, it's a big step in my career in general. You know, it's a big advantage, big privilege yeah. that I get to do. Um, but I think in the women's game, you know, I have a bit more passion because, you know, they are the underdogs compared to the men, yeah. essentially. You know, they need all the help that they, that they can get. And then going back to the right media attention, you know, not everyone has the right intentions, has the right background to be able to kind of promote the women's game as effectively as someone else. Um, so mm -hmm. I think knowing that, I am in a good position to do that. And like knowing that I am a good person to do that, I kind of just stick to the women's game a bit more. Um, but I, I still watch, you know, when there's not a, a women's football week and I do still sit on my ass I, like all day long watching men's football. So <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just, it, for me, it's just football in general, but the yeah, working yeah. part of it, I am a bit more passionate, yeah, about promoting the women's sport. I love that you brought up intention because it's it's the same like Mel said in women's hockey. It's in women's sports in general. If you're not going in with the right intentions, you're not going to ask the right questions and you'll lose a lot of respect right away. But then you're also sharing information to, you know, people who don't know anything about women's sports. Mm -hmm. And it's not it's not that it's not right but it's it's not the full picture. Right. Yeah. Um, so I really love that you brought that up. And, you know, you mentioned that you've had the opportunity to interview stars like Tobin Heath and, and Kristen Press. And so I wanted to ask you because I did see, you know, I, I don't really follow women's soccer that closely yet. It's something that I've been wanting to, to do more so. Um, and, I've, and I've observed that a lot of U.S. women's national team players have kind of migrated over to England. Uh, this season. So I wanted to get your impressions on that. You know, do you think uh, this is an indication of the league's progression? Is this simply a product of, you know, the pandemic and maybe what's happening in the U.S.? You know, I, I want your, your thoughts on, you know, this influx of star players in the FAWSL. I think, I think it's a combination of both, essentially. Um, they have mentioned very explicitly that without COVID, they wouldn't have been here at all. Mm. Um, because of COVID, you know, the NWSL didn't get a go-ahead. They just played a mini tournament of about two weeks, two weeks and a half, I think. Mm -hmm. And they made a kind of a mini, like, winter series, I guess, autumn series, you can call it. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't enough competitive time for a lot of these people. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they have, an, they have an Olympics coming up next year. They need yeah. regular competitive time if they're going to go out and perform. Right. So I think that was the main, main reason why a lot of the players came to the WSL. You know, today we saw Manchester Derby, you know, we saw Kristen Prest open heat starting 11, Sam Lewis, and then Roosevelt came on. Um, I don't, actually don't know, I think she, didn't think she came on, actually. I was mistaken there. Um, but, you know, essentially four players uh, on the pitch, on the bench, um, which you would have never seen if it wasn't for COVID. And then again, you know, one of the biggest ones, Alex Morgan coming yeah. to Tottenham. Um, that, that causes a big uh, uproar. Um, oh yeah <laughs> yeah definitely it's there's been Alex Morgan watched every single weekend um, <laughs> so like if you watched I think it was one of the first matches that she was on the bench for uh, I don't know yeah she was on the bench for Arsenal Tottenham you know that's a huge match it's a North London derby it's one of the biggest matches here in England just in general and um, and she didn't play at all <laughs> she was on the bench uh, freezing with like three layers of coats on and all the cameras were on her um, and everyone was kind of, you know, complaining, but at the same time laughing, 
you know, just yeah. taking digs at BBC for, yeah, just kind of just focusing on Alex Morning when she's not even on the pitch. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, so, that's kind of just a yeah. mainstream media women's sports uh, yeah. fault all the time. Yeah, right? exactly. There are other players and... <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's it's been kind of a hit and miss. You know, Tobin has actually been really... Uh, she's been playing pretty much every match for Manchester United since so she's been able to. Samuels as well. Uh, Samuels scored in the FA Cup final. That was huge. Uh, Tobin just scored. She scored the first goal uh, in the Manchester Derby today. You know, those two... Yeah, I just saw the highlight. More. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, that was absolutely ridiculous. Kristen Press literally just stepped out of the way and just let her have it. Yeah, and, and, and man, the ball like took some yeah. crazy curves. I was like, holy! It shit. was just it curved. It, it hit the that. bottom of the crossbar. Oh, it couldn't have been anymore. I think she that was just purely out of anger. That was the most satisfying part. <laughs> <laughs> she hit that ball as hard as she could. Yeah, she's like, I'm um, going through the net. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, no, so th- they've been, you know, they've been. A few of them have been more effective than others. You know, Alex Morgan has just started to play her first. Uh, she played her first 20 minutes last week. Uh, it was at the end of a really scrappy game. So there was only so much she can do. Um, yeah. You know, and it was kind of funny because everyone was expecting this wow factor. And, you know, she just had a kid. She's not fully fit yet. Uh, yeah. And you can tell that she's not at the top of her game. She hasn't played a match in like almost a year now. Um, so, you know, it, it's been hit and miss. But I think overall, it's been a real indicator of, of how big the English league is growing and where it's at right now. Which is excellent. I mean, it's like one of the few leagues that like, I guess we could model maybe professional hockey against along with WNBA. Like it's always nice seeing other women's leagues succeed. I mean, the rugby league in Australia for, on the women's side is excellent as well. Um, I'm curious, just it, you know, you've been in a, a, spent a year now in England doing kind of pursuing your dream. Is it is it what you expected? Is it everything you wanted, or has anything surprised you about it? I I think it's been everything I wanted. Well, for the most part, professionally. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, COVID obviously stopped a lot a lot of opportunities that maybe I, I could have gotten over the summer, like work experiences and whatnot. Yeah. Um. So I'm still a bit, you know, not upset that upset at, about that at all. Um. <laughs> I've gotten over that entirely. Um, so it's like, it's, it's a hit or miss. Um, but overall, you know, England is, is really, really fun in terms of football, um, which oddly my life still revolves around on and off, <laughs> on and off professionally. Um, I play, uh, on a team here. So I play every Sunday myself. Okay. I play every, I get to train every Tuesday and Friday and, you know, Sunday, uh, I played, uh, in university in, in Montreal for Concordia. Right. Um, so that was like, you know, that was training four days a week, matches two days a week, as I assume, you know, Montreal Canadienza was obviously the intense training session as well. But here, you know, you kind of have you have one training session a week. You, have, you play on a Sunday and then after you go get you go to the pub and you watch football and get drinks. Yeah. <laughs> Bad. So, yeah. Um, so in terms of just like the, the relax, I guess they're a bit more relaxed here in terms of um, which uh, Honestly, I get a bit frustrated about as well because I have been grown up, you know, in the North America kind of varsity aspect mm-hmm. where we are go, go, go. We have, you know, we have gym sessions, you have training sessions and mm-hmm. you're kind of used to being that elite athlete, I suppose. Whereas here they don't. And it kind of pisses me off sometimes. I just get in my own head about it. But overall, um, I do miss food in North America. There's a lot more diversity in food. Really? I, I must say that the stereotypical thing that English food sucks is, is <laughs> kind of true. <laughs> That's so great. So, I love it. 
yeah the the honesty in that answer yeah I I feel bad saying it but it is you know especially (laughs) Montreal was a very diverse city and you know you can get whatever food you want delivered to your door Uh, I don't know if you've had chef on call oh yes yeah (laughs) who hasn't I I, I miss that terribly I I I thought about it the other day and I was like I miss chef on call so much did you try place an order they were like you're not in our geographic yeah (laughs) send it on the plane I'll pay extra for it exactly Uh, yeah there's a lot of little things from from Montreal specifically that I miss um, a lot that you don't really get here unless you're in central London Um, Mm, but even that you know it's, it's a very different vibe um, but overall, you know, on the football aspect of it, I couldn't be happier. Well, it looks like you're really living and breathing football like all the time, which is which yeah. seems like it's what you wanted. So in your last year, what would you say was maybe the biggest learning curve in terms of, you know, your your job? You know, once you're out of school, did you feel like, OK, like this is very much similar to what I was doing before? Or, you know, was there an adjustment that you need to make getting out of school, going into the professional world? Um, I think it was a bit of both, really. Um, you know, in terms, like I mentioned, you know, my passion for women's football was, was always there. So it's on that aspect of it. I just kind of kept doing what I was doing while I was in school. But then on the professional aspect of it, in terms of the actual journalism, mm-hmm. um, I knew there was still a few things that I have to learn. And there is still a lot of things that I have to learn. I just have to, at the moment, I'm kind of just, you know, job applications have been terrible for everyone uh, during yeah. these times. <laughs> So now it's just about, you know, getting myself into that professional environment uh, that's perhaps not working from home that I'm able to do a bit more hands-on, you know, socializing in an office, for example. Um, So now it's just about getting myself into a professional setting where I can actually learn a lot more from people that are higher up from me. Yeah. Um, So at the moment, I think it's just that I know, I mean, I know that I still have a lot to learn. I still have a lot to grow. I'm just trying to fit myself into an environment where I actually can. Yeah finding the, the right mentors and stuff. It's definitely yeah. challenging, especially via Zoom all the time. Yeah, like, it's, it's not the same. You learn a lot from like the side conversations, right? Mm-hmm. Just like the the water jug conversation yeah. with the colleague or yeah. like you want to grab a drink after work kind of yeah, mentorship. Exactly. It, it's <laughs> kind of awkward like, doing that over like Twitter or Zoom. It's like, yeah. hey, you want to have a call? Yeah, you have to plan these. I'm looking yeah. for a mentor. Can we schedule a session? <laughs> exactly. But I mean, you you we you kind of brought it up. You played at Concordia with the Stingers, and before that, you played in Chile as well. Um, so you, you kind of grew up with that fire and, and passion. We kind of do want to address your your playing career. So how is it like coming from Chile, playing with the the professional league there? and starting in North America was was the soccer different was the level different you know was it an adjustment period and and I guess what did you think of that experience in general I I think yeah the football is very very different uh, that's yeah. partly, that's partly why I kind of came to England okay. I, I do love the NWSL and I, and I do love you know well I can't really say I love the MLS but you know I football is football at the end of the day I'll watch it uh, no matter what but the style of football in North America is very different to the one that you see in Europe, the one you see in South America. Um, South Americans and Europeans are, are a lot more tactical uh, okay. focused, um, which I enjoy a bit more. You know, I'd rather see like pretty, pretty football rather than just like attack elbows, you know, slide mm-hmm. tackles everywhere, um, <laughs> which I think is what you see in North America a lot. Um, okay. So yeah, growing up, you know, I grew up in the States a bit and then played in, in Canada obviously which it was a very feisty league to say the least okay um, so <laughs> a it is more it, hockey-esque <laughs> yeah so you know I, ha- I have gone flying 
<laughs> on the, the sidelines <laughs> a few times. Um, and it's just, you know, it's, it, it was a big adjustment because, yeah, in Chile, they're, more, they're a lot more skillful. They're technical, they're tactical. Um, you're, I mean, it is, it is 5C, probably even a bit more dirtier than it is in the States, but it is very tactical. You know, you don't press all the time. You don't go up to someone all the time. You let them have the ball. You keep the ball for a certain amount of time. Okay. But in the States and, and in Canada, it's go, go, go all the time. You know, someone okay. gets the ball, you go push them off the ball. Someone else okay. gets the ball, the next person goes off and pushes. You know, you have no time on the ball. Yeah. Um, so that was a big adjustment. And then the, the other adjustment I had kind of was, you know, in, in Chile, it's still, you know, women's football is still very um, underlooked. And it's still a very, like, I would say, like, probably, yeah, it's still a sexist country in terms of, like, men are better, men do this better. You know, women are kind of just, like, not looked down on, it, essentially. But um, it's still, there's still a lot of problems in terms of equality. Um, but the women's national team has done amazing and the league has improved a lot. But when I was there, um, that was in 2018, 2017, I think. Um, when I was there, you know, the the league, um, it was good in terms of quality, but the the visibility wasn't there. You know, these teams are, are streaming their own matches on their Facebook streams. Um, okay. um, in terms of, you know, pitch time, you share it with, it's like a municipal pitch. It's not an actual stadium. Um, and the things you get, you know, at Concordia, I would get three pairs of shorts, three pairs of training yeah. tops, three pairs of socks, and you get like a hoodie and then you get a beanie and then you get sweatpants and you get another jacket, another jacket and a duffel bag and a backpack and you get all these <laughs> things. And in Chile, all I got was like a pair of joggers and that's about it. Um, so the difference it was quite entertaining for me in terms of, um, you know, seeing the difference of, you know, these girls play they all have, you know, some of them have full-time jobs and they still go out to, to play, you know, three, four times a week just because they love it. And I think that was a big difference that I saw between both leagues was that, you know, these girls do it for fun and they do it because they love it for no other reason. Whereas in the States, you know, you play it because you're good at it. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, you know, if you're physical enough, if you're strong enough, if you're fast enough, all right, you're, you're fit to play soccer in that point. Um, but it's not, you know, not all the girls love to play. Not all the girls watch uh, football all the time so it's a bit of a different environment yeah. um, whereas here it's like yeah it's the opposite you know everyone watches football everyone loves football everyone mm-hmm. like I said after the game you just go watch more football yeah. <laughs> but then the you know the physical aspect and the and the yeah the, the athletic aspect of it I guess is, is very different than North America yeah I mean I guess you know you, you kind of addressed it in one of your articles about kind of the 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 disparity between women's football and, and men's football in Chile as far as like resource allocations. Um, it has been improving. It sounds like you said they've done an amazing job now. Um, are you kind of hopeful in general with, I guess, football in Chile as far as this discrepancy between the men's and women's leagues as far as resources? Do you think it's kind of a changing tide soon? Or? I, I wouldn't, maybe not soon. You know, probably we would expect it to be sooner than later, but I don't know if that would be entirely um, realistic, yeah. I guess. Um, not, not because of women and men, but because at the moment, you know, the men's league and the men's national team kind of finds itself in a really, really bad position in terms yeah. of financial, in terms of uh, not scandals, sort of say, but, you know, just the leadership and yeah. the federation don't find themselves in, in the greatest moment in their, in their history at the moment. Um, so I think, but in terms of that, you know, despite that, the women's league has been growing a lot. Um, two years ago, uh, now, uh, they addressed the first women's professional leagues in football. So, you know, these girls are able to, mm-hmm. you know, 
essentially quit their jobs, you know, quit yeah. having to, to find other things and be able to focus on their football entirely. Um, and that's all a lot of national team players come back to Chile to play because it was actually feasible um, yeah. to play there and for it to be highly competitive. Um, but, you know, again, like COVID saw the, the kind of differences between the men and the women. The women took yeah. a few months later than, than the men did to get back. Um, but, you know, they are back. Um, there's a lot of, um, with the help of a lot of fans, um, there's a new association created by one of the, one of the players. Um, you know, they're dealing with broadcasting rights because the league doesn't want to. So, you know, it's a lot of people have taken matters into their own hands, which mm-hmm. is nice to see. And they're, they're actually getting a lot of uh, response from, you know, these big channels. Uh, I know there's a couple of games that have been in the past few weeks free to air on one of the main channels on, on national television. Oh. Um, wow, that's huge. I yeah. mean, it's, it seems small, but it's huge. And it's like yeah. a testament to kind of grassroots organizations and then, you know, group of women get together we could get anything done yeah exactly (laughs) which is yeah which is kind of you know what the 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 pwhpa is doing yeah we're like badass women you know (laughs) we're getting it done yeah exactly grinding it out (laughs) (laughs) you gotta do what you gotta do exactly (laughs) well i was reading in that article on the link newspaper um Mm -hmm. that was written about you a while ago that your dad also played uh, throwback right yeah <laughs> so your dad also played uh soccer in chile so mm-hmm. i was wondering you know i'm guessing he was a big influence on on what got you into to soccer but you know were there any other players or you know did you have any other idols that you looked up to um yeah i think my dad was you know that he was probably the biggest influence in my footballing career in general um now i know a bit more than him which is kind of satisfying um <laughs> Uh, but you know like yeah my entire family is just football switched on you know my mom <laughs> watches she watches probably watches uh, a lot more Chile games than I do you know she even not even in Chile you know I was born in Boston so we're big like you know Patriots fans and, and stuff so she watches all the games um, so she's very sports switched on specifically football you know mm-hmm. we watch all the World Cup games and my family you know we paint our faces even if we're just watching the game at home that's awesome. Um, That's amazing. So yeah, like football has has been a part of my life since I was little. You know, I was kicking it. My dad made me kick a ball since I was a baby. You know, I was in like a full blown like football kit as like even before I could stand up. Um, <laughs> Just tiny so, little shin pads too. Like. Yeah. <laughs> no, but sadly, I do have a photo of me and my mom used to put my shin pads over my socks. Oh no! Oh that, no! Yeah. Alex, like I don't even—I used to play soccer, but th- that's terrible swag. No, I, I'm, I'm so mad at my mother for doing that to me. I can't believe she made me dress up like that. It was like, oh my god, no! It was—I mean, the outfit itself was terrible. I mean, like I think the shorts were like silver and shiny. Oh yeah, that was the style. And then yeah, and then on top of that, it was my shin pads over my socks, and I just—I've never forgiven her for that. As Word of today, of so it's been terrible. So yeah, football has been, you know. Since I was a little kid, I would just go to the park and, and play football with my dad. We would do challenges. Um, it was just me kicking the ball around with him. And I hate to say it, but he is really good at football. Um, so, like, we would play the crossbar challenge. And whoever, once I was older, you know, and started working, we would bet, you know, lunch or dinner or something. Um, <laughs> awesome. And he, he, he would kind of make it easier for me. And he would have to take the kicks from the halfway line. But he would still beat me. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that didn't help. Um, so yeah, I think my dad was probably the biggest influence uh, in terms of me. Yeah, he was the one that would always be up for going to, you know, play a kick around with me. He would sit down, you know, every time he sat down and watched TV, he would just put on the, the TV and just watch whatever game was on. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so with the passion and, and the interest of you know paying attention to things that a lot of people don't pay attention to it was it was all down to my dad um but the passion itself was I think down yeah, to my parents and, and my entire family really yeah I mean it's just like the environment you grew up in and yeah. it sounds like I mean you watch a lot of football you play it um do you think like playing gives you like a different perspective as a journalist um I know, I know when you play a sport, you kind of understand different nuances, but also like watching a sport gives you a different perspective too. So do you, do you, do you kind of write or observe the game differently because you've played? I would like to think so. Um, just because, you know, uh, if I watch like even the men's game, for example, you know, uh, someone gets kicked, but it's with the studs. You know, you don't know how painful that is unless you actually experience it. Yeah, it's true. And, and with, with, you know, sometimes the comments that people make, it's like, you know, they've never experienced that kick before. Yeah. Uh, so I think I have, I would like to think that, yeah, I have a bit more of, a, of an edge compared to other journalists who essentially, I mean, they're all great journalists, you know, it doesn't take anything away from them, but, you know, they are just fans of the game and haven't actually been involved with the game yeah. at a certain level and haven't experienced a lot of things that, you know, the players that they're talking to have experienced. Um, so I think potentially it does give me give me a little bit of an edge, um, and I'm also a bit more into tactical the tactical side of football, which makes you know I am a complete I, I mean I, you can probably see it by this interview I'm a complete football nerd. And <laughs> That's just awesome. Like, I I love it. Um, so like yeah like like things that like tactics and the way people play and you know that's a, I pick up on quite a few things that perhaps other people don't. Um, so I do think that maybe playing gives me a bit better of a of an angle to it you know maybe I can criticize a bit better than a few people and maybe get away with it um <laughs> so yeah I think playing does give me a certain kind of advantage over you know the ones that, who haven't played at a high level yet yeah well well we're approaching the end of our of our interview um but you know as someone who's been playing uh her whole life who watches and whatnot you know what are your thoughts a bit on the future of women's soccer it's a bit of a broad question obviously there are different leagues around the world and they're all kind of moving at their own pace, but you know, with the NWSL expanding in North America, um, with the FAWSL attracting these star players, sure out of circumstance and, and the pandemic, but that's likely helping a lot uh, with the league in terms of attracting more viewers and whatnot. You know, where do you things, uh, where do you see things uh, going from here when it comes to women's soccer? Uh, I can only see things going up really. Uh, you know, that's just all around the world. In South America as well, you know, there is perhaps a lot more to improve on than, than other places, but, you know, it is going up, essentially. There is a lot more uh, just viewership, just a lot more visibility of football down there. And then, as you said, the NWSL is expanding, so that's only good. Um, and, you know, perhaps, you know, having a, a team like LA City, Angel City, you know, might draw back the, a player like Kristen Press to go play at home. Um, and the WSL, you know, that's, that's just, I, I think it's probably the best league in the world right now. Um, you know, not only in terms of the players that come, but in terms of professionalism, you know, it, there's a lot of the clubs, uh, I wouldn't say, you know, not all of them, you know, there is still a big gap between the top and the bottom. But, you know, it's getting more and more common for the women's teams to train in the same place as the men's teams, you know, that yeah. that is huge. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it can only get better from now. And, and, and it's going to be exciting. You know, it's Lyon has won the Champions League four years, five years in a row now. Um, so, you know, it's going to be exciting because now people are going to knock them off the throne and you're going to see different winners yeah. in different leagues. So, you know, I think and then on top of that, that's only going to be uh, reflected on the national team. So I think it's only just going to get more exciting from now on. Yeah. And I think just in general, like. 
teams around the world have done such a good job with like their own personal like social medias and stuff mm -hmm. accessing um kind of these untapped markets and really encouraging young women i think we're just kind of just seeing that across the board in all women's league and i mean women's soccer is not an exception they're they're doing incredible work just trying to get younger people to continue to play and, and really not accept mediocrity as far as resource allocation like we're yeah. obviously mainstream media we're seeing it with the u.s national team but teams mm -hmm. across the world are, are fighting for the same thing like the chile yeah. women's team as well so i i don't know i'm just hopeful for all of women's sports and you know i, I encourage you to continue to strive because you know that that league really needs journalists like you who are passionate about the sport and passionate about moving the the sport forward so I commend you for your work and I hope COVID like hopefully resolves itself sometime soon so that you, you can grow your network and, and really <laughs> go after it. But um, yeah. keep up the hard work at the moment. Yeah. Thanks. You know, to you too, as well with the PWHP, obviously that's, that's huge to be, that's a huge thing to be part of. And then yeah, Safia for the podcast as well, you know, it is big. Uh, it's you. not it's not something you see common uh, in terms of like just a regular conversation between sports and sports media the connection there is is quite nice yeah we appreciate <laughs> it um for anyone listening you know where can they find you uh, on social media anything you want to plug i know you have a podcast uh yeah well. the podcast probably isn't as regular as i would like it to be at the moment <laughs> it's hard um, it's hard yeah. yeah it is it is a lot of time uh, but my twitter is alexibaceta 23 um that's probably uh, that's i'm most active on there so all right, we'll check awesome. it out, guys. <laughs>